The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Sister Speak. You are here with me, Samiha and Sonia. Me, Sonia. Sonia. <laughs> Sorry. It's just the both of us today, but we are hoping that it will still be an interesting and engaging radio show for you guys, inshallah. So this is a recorded session, so um, you won't be able to get involved with us, interact with us um, live, as it's not. Uh, But once you do hear this show, if you want to interact with us via our Instagram, um, then that would be really great. And on your thoughts, what we're discussing today, inshallah. But yeah, just a reminder that this is a recorded show. So, Sonia, how can everyone um, get in touch with us if they wanted to um, after listening to our show? So that would just be our Instagram. Yeah, so our Instagram page is at Sisters Speak. And you can, of course, DM us or you can comment under any of our posts if you would like to share your thoughts. Thank you very much. And so our show is essentially a platform for women to voice their own opinions on current events and issues and even form discussions on general topics such as religion, culture, politics, social media, Islamophobia, etc. And if you have been listening to our shows, you will know that we do discuss a lot of things that we find interesting and we hope you do too. Please note that all opinions and views are our own and we respect all other opposing or similar views and opinions. So the main topic for today is balancing our professional lives with ibadah during Ramadan. And so how can us as professionals or students maximize the time for ibadah during Ramadan? So I picked this topic and the reason I did it is because I'm always sort of conflicted with this because Ramadan is a time for heightened acts of ibadah where we go out of our way to increase the worship that we do so that we can attain the blessings of the month. But then as professionals or as students, this can be hard to achieve. And we may find that our Ramadan ibadah is not where we want it to be. And so at the end of the day, when we're totally exhausted, and you know, this may leave little room for tarawih, or you find that work just means we do the bare minimum. And so I just wanted us to have that little discussion um, on how myself or how Sonia um, kind of makes it work. But as usual, uh, we have the Thoughts for the Week segment, which we are going to start on now. And I'm going to ask Sonia what your thought for the week is. My thought of the week is to try and give this week. Um, I know it's like a Ramadan thing anyway. So hopefully you should be giving um, in terms of like charity. Mine just is give, even if it's something small, like give your time up someone uh help you know your grandparent or give a gift of a dessert to your neighbor's house it's just the theme of giving that's just my thought for the week and it is kind of it has come from like uh ramadan because we tend to like give iftar to our neighbors to our family members to our friends um if we can't feed them in the house because you know you might you're not able to mixed households yet like there's still obviously rules and regulations at the moment because of corona but you can drop off food to someone's house as long as you're doing it properly um just the same way you can get takeaway from a shop and so on so yeah try to give to someone this week thank you so much and i think that's really so sweet in the time of the pandemic like you said for for a lot of people it can be quite a lonely experience especially Ramadan which as Muslims we are used to being in communities and gatherings for our prayers or for iftar so giving someone food uh, and just kind of reminding them that they are reminded it, it would really boost their mood and it could you know help to really make their their days so much better so I love that Sonia um, so my th- thought, uh, my thought for the week is essentially to um, not to compare yourself with other people, and I think um, we kind of do that a lot, like where our friends maybe, where we may be in our lives, and just to see 
kind of, you know, you try to match yourself up with them. And if you're not where they are, then don't feel deflated because everyone's on their own personal journey. And sometimes we are so harsh on ourselves that we we are like, we could be doing that. We should be, we could be better. But it may be the case that they look at us and think, oh, I wish I had that sort of free time or that I was able to, you know, do whatever it is that they were doing. So I think that we're always doing this comparison of, of ourselves with others. And I just wanted to say that, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Like, just appreciate the place that you are in, because that is where Allah wants you to be at the moment. But know that you are capable of amazing things. So um, very swiftly, we're going to go on to our hot topic segment, which Sonia is going to lead. Um, so Sonia, over to you, please. Thank you, Samiha. And can I just say, love your thought of the week. I know, I think we've said something similar before on radio. And of course, why shouldn't we? It's a good reminder to yourself, you're exactly where you need to be right now. And it's comparison is the thief of joy and the thief of just like <laughs> progress honestly yeah, because very true. when we do that we you know we stop ourselves negative you start thinking of things that might not even be true no you need to focus on yourself don't compare yourself to others like that but yeah great great thought of the week thank you for that no thank you um it's okay so yeah we move on to our hot topics and this week we have two hot topics and the first one is regarding the Oscar Awards. Um, so that has recently happened. It happened a few days ago. And we just want to speak a little bit about how uh, people of colour and also um, women have won uh, Oscars. Um, this is still a big deal. Obviously, in the film industry, um, it's progress. We actually spoke about this uh, recently on, a sh- on one of your shows, Samiha, you know, about how females are still kind of breaking into the media and arts industry um so i i don't want to pronounce it wrong but chloe zhao is a chinese-born filmmaker and she recently won an oscar for the best director of film and she actually made history because uh, never before has a female person of color taken home an oscar for the best director of a film um bear in mind this is of course during covid as well so even the award ceremony was a covid19 ceremony uh the films that were all created was still created last year or this year during a pandemic um so yeah this year more women and people of color than ever before have taken home oscars and just want to speak a little bit about that so samiha um you actually shared an article with myself so let's talk about that what made what did it mean to you to see that um so this actually popped up during our sort of work instagram slash twitter carousel that we make and someone suggested it and as soon as i heard it i was so excited because um so i'm kind of into like representation in the media how much of female voices being advanced um especially sort of minority ethnic minority voices and so for me I saw this and I was like yay this is incredible because I think that the pandemic has been so disproportionately impacting you know ethnic minority communities that these things are like really huge wins for us because it shows the strength and the um the sort of resilience that we have and I don't mean to say that kind of um in comparison to non-ethnic minority groups. But as I am from an ethnic minority community, to be able to see that and to recognize that and to think, oh, wow, that's amazing, you know, it, it's a huge, it's it's wonderful. Um, and I think that it shows the efforts and the creativity really of of, of women and of and, and this and the kind of commitment that they make to advancing our cause. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I like that you mentioned that, yeah, you are a female and you are also a person of colour. So to see that resonate it is such a big thing because it is so, so important to see the representation. And um, like a great thing is she wasn't the only person, you know. We also have Daniel Kulia. Sorry, I don't want to say it wrong again. But he's a British actor and he is black and he won an Oscar for his best supporting actor role in um, 
Judas and the Black Messiah, which is a film that was recently released. And, you know, I've seen the um, reception on like social media amongst like, just like the British circle. We, I include myself, are so, so, so happy. Like, we know him from other films, of course, and he's London born. When someone, it's like, so it feels so close. And then you're like, wow, he's gone and won an Oscar award. It's just fantastic. So, you know, what do you think is more important for people of colour? Do you think it's like showing that they're able to kind of take this route, like that we can make it? Because it's still so rare and hard for people of colour to even win Oscars. What do you think of that? Um, I think that it's true how difficult it is to kind of be recognised to make a name for yourself in such a... um sort of non-ethnic minority dominated industry and it does give hope but then again it's like you know that there are so few of them and so it can be it's kind of bittersweet because you think wow there is possibility and I'm not just talking about sort of the film industry I'm talking about journalism and just areas where the where ethnic minorities are underrepresented but then it's also bitter because you think there's so few of them that, you know, you do have to graft so much and you have to kind of find those opportunities for yourself. So it's definitely bittersweet. I'm not taking away from their amazing work ethic and amazing sort of grafting that they've done to get there. But on balance, it's kind of going to, it's it's a difficult process and it's it's a lot of, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of making connections and networking and, you know, asking people favours. It's just that kind of world, really. Yeah, I like that you've um, pointed that out because we cannot diminish the hard work that they had to do to get there. They must have had to work twice as hard. This is what I believe. Yeah, in my own opinion, you know, you, you, you do see them talking about it as well. Like, it's not easy for them in a, as an ethnic minority to even get into that field let alone excel in that field of course we're good at it of course we're good at it but we just never even get those opportunities in the first place people don't want to see it sometimes like no they just stick to you know making films as they have for the past 50 years or so on so yeah I'm glad you pointed out that hard work but it's nice to see that hard work being put in and being recognized it's just nice to be recognized let's say that but yeah thank you so much Samiha for that and we're going to move on to our second hot topic. Um, this hot topic is about the UK MPs who have now declared that China is committing genocide against Uyghur, Uyghurs in Xinjiang, which is in China. Um, you might have seen this before um, in social media or just heard about it. And it's been going on for quite some time now. Um, but it was a bit skeptical it was kind of in the air people don't know really know what's happening um you hear a bit here a video here a journalist has said something here but it's not been very clear um but what's one thing that has now been recognized in the UK parliament um there has been a vote and it has been officially declared in the British um UK parliament that there was a genocide being committed um we just want to speak a little bit about this because of course it's a huge thing for this to even be recognised and for this to be something that people have, well, in their parliament has been agreed upon. And so, Samiha, I just want to ask you, like, what's the significance of this? Okay, so apart from the fact that it's such a huge step forward in getting justice for the Uyghur um, people, it's also the first time in UK history where we have recognised genocide as it is taking place. So, um, we have recognised genocides such as the Bosnia um, genocide in Rwanda, but that's been after it's happened. Um, so this is the first time that we've recognised it as it is happening. And the UK Parliament did not make this decision on a whim. They had so much research that's obviously gone into this. They've be, you know, they've had calls for evidence to um, as to what's happening in in the Xinjiang province. And so, yeah, it's definitely a huge step forward. And it shows that our parliamentarians, they are aware and they do care about the plight of, of 
minorities around the world and the issues that matter most to their constituents because I know that um, certainly from just how as at work how we mobilized to get people on board to convince their MPs to vote um, you know for this motion that there is a genocide taking place but I know, I know that for a fact that so many constituencies, so many constituents would have called up their MPs, would have emailed, would have wrote letters. And so the fact that the UK government and the MPs kind of heard or listened to us, I think that's incredible. And it's a, and it has to be commended because in these times where the pandemic has been so bleak and so difficult, you know, the fact that this is this has happened is really wonderful. Yeah, I agree. And actually, I didn't know that information that you've shared that the UK has not recognised it, a genocide while it's happening. And usually we, you know, recognise it afterwards. Um, so I think it is a huge thing to recognise it while it's going on because we can help them. Hopefully this now means that the UK needs to act and the government needs to act. This is what I believe, because if you are aware of something happening now and you have the power you know, from even just the power of not being involved in it, then like, you know, not being oppressed and not, um, you know, I don't know, we're not, luckily right now the UK is not really, you know, involved in um, anything in China, such as like, you know, with the Uyghurs in Jinshang. So hopefully that means we should be able to help them, surely. If there is forced labour happening there, we should be able to act and help and maybe stop that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great point that you made that we've never actually been able to recognise it while it's still happening. Um, so what do you think this means for the people in China then, the ones that are, you know, the genocide has been committed against? Do you think like that means that something will happen then? Um, well, I really do hope that the government follows through and acts upon this. And as you said, um, Sonia, that they do something about it because there is still so much work to be done in order for there to be any sort of tangible action against or for, sorry, for the Uyghur people. Um, so Canada, the US, they've also declared it as a genocide. So I'm really hoping that more and more countries come forward, declare it as a genocide and then take tangible action. And I think that for anyone that's listening, um, just look out for things that your MPs might be involved in or sort of any organisations that are campaigning for this or campaigning for calls to action um, where we can influence our MPs because we vote for them. You know, they, they, have to, um, they have to represent our best interests. We can convince them to take tangible action and hold, you know, hold um, whoever the perpetrators to account, really. And I think that's what's really important. So yeah, I'm just I'm just really hoping that this isn't just a one-off motion vote that there is going to be progress and that that um that the government puts forth um you know all that's necessary in order to achieve good for the Uyghur people. Thank you so much, Samiha. I think you've summed it up nicely. What we were both kind of getting at and what we both feel should be done now by the UK government but as you mentioned that is a good step in the right direction so it's still a good sign and it does say a lot because like I said earlier with the Uyghurs in China it's never been clear-cut when we receive the information personally I feel like I see something on social media and then I receive something like a message from a family member and they conflict or it's it you know it just doesn't really it's not come from say for example a specific news source like it's, it's just been a bit all over the place um in my opinion from what I've seen so for it to come from the UK parliament from the government to just say actually yes we need to support or we recognize that Uyghurs are being oppressed and maybe forced to do labor in China that is I think that is a huge thing. Let's I can admit that is a huge thing. Um and I think it also kind of shows things like protesting or sharing information and uh just signing petitions and writing an open letter. These things do help because how else has it got to this stage? Because people are talking about it because there has been protests. Protests are often televised or we see them on the news, you know, a lot of the times. 
um, especially if you do, there was a protest outside the UK Parliament for this, actually, in support of the Uyghur Muslims. So, of course, the Parliament had to speak about it at one point. Um, you know, they had to bring it to the attention in the, you know, in the government, they had to speak about it because this was something that the people in London, uh, across the UK, were, you know, taking action about. So I think it's just a good sign for people that if you're passionate about something and you really care about it and you want someone to listen, you start doing the little things because it eventually it builds up and someone will be listening and hopefully help or recognise the problem. But yeah, that is um, the conclusion for our hot topics two completely different hot topics but nonetheless great and very interesting so thank you Samiha for choosing them um but yeah um what we'll do now is just introduce our main topic which will be taking place in the second half of the show so I'd like to hand it back to you now Samiha. Thank you very much Sonia um that was a really wonderful um hot topic section that I think we even though it was just the two of us I felt like we've really got to discussing some really wonderful things so thank you for that um so yeah main topic just to refresh is going to be us discussing balancing our professional lives with Ibadah during Ramadan and I think at the start I said I picked it just because this is my first time working while fasting and it's been really a um a learning curve so every day i'm i'm trying to figure out how to balance uh working with obada and it has been quite a interesting experience so i started off really well and then it sort of dipped and now i'm sort of action planning for the last 10 days so that i'm not losing out on those amazing blessings and um so yeah i just want to start off by asking before we head into our break how are you juggling Ramadan and your professional life, Sonia? Well, funny enough, it is actually my first year uh, that I'm properly working like as an adult and um, fasting at the same time. And I think it's exactly the same as what you kind of mentioned. Like, I feel like I started off strong. I went all in. And it's ironic because I saw advice saying don't start off too strong like be steady and I still know the advice started off strong and then I think there was a huge dip um so yeah it's it, and now today of course we are doing a radio show topic on this as well so it kind of helps because it's like let me think about what I need to do for the rest of Ramadan like we still have I think 15 maybe 16 half the month left so we can make it you know really really count and get those blessings like you mentioned as well so in terms of the question how I've been juggling Ramadan and my professional life not very well I think but I think it can be better and there's still time for me to improve um but the way I tried to was to come up with the routine so um the first day funny enough I cannot believe this I try to stay up from after iftar to sehri like Sehri or Sahur, um, that was that's that's a couple of hours. That's like nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> that's a few hours, and I really thought I could stay up all that time, and you know, pray and do some like maybe reading Quran if I have the chance, and also have a bit of a breather. Maybe I can go on my phone, then go back into it and eat and drink water that whole time from sunset to sunrise. What was I thinking? I couldn't do it. <laughs> I was so, so tired the next day at work. Like it was unreal. And then it's not fair because then at work I'm unproductive and I'm going to be tired and drowsy. And then I came home absolutely knackered that same day, not wanting to do everything. And then that's an iftar time. Could I even get iftar ready? Did I want to? know? So I definitely went in way too hard at the beginning. Um, but yeah, then I tried to come up with a routine. Um, would you like me to carry on from here? Sorry, I feel like I'm just... Walking. No, you're doing great. I'm actually really interested. No, honestly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so then I tried to come up with a routine and I said to myself, no, so eat a little bit out if so, which is a whole other thing when it comes to diet. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. I like, really how many samosas are you really going to eat? Right. So I was thinking, eat a little bit out if so, um, do my prayers. And then if I can't, if I have the energy, feel like I can read Quran, then read it. But if not, okay, then go to sleep, Sonia. Like I have to, you have to go to sleep. And I think because I was a student for so long, 
and yeah. I literally just I also mean like literally going high school and all of that like for so long of your life you, you do it in school and because we're obviously both of us are still quite young then when it comes to real life you can't do that thing anymore because before you, you could yeah exactly you could before you could be like oh, I'll study during the night time and I can sleep during the daytime you can't now you have responsibilities right <laughs> <laughs> so I said oh god I love yeah. this that I need to go to sleep so I made myself go to sleep and you know what people wake up and like because I used to just struggle to do the whole sleep wake up for sehari go back to sleep yeah I was like no I have to that's the only way I can do it uh, otherwise I need to make intention quite earlier on so maybe like at 12 a.m or 1 a.m um you know do it make the intention but then also there's fudger in the morning that's like at 5 a.m ish so yeah as you can tell it took me a while to figure it out. Like I was, it was like almost like experimenting. That's to see okay. What works best. No, definitely. Yeah. And I have an interesting story to tell you. Same thing, but I will do after our break. So inshallah, yeah. keep you um, listening to us, Sonia and I, and mm-hmm. see you uh, in the other se- segment. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamualaikum. This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamualaikum. Welcome back to Sister Speak. Um, you are here with me, Samiha, and. Yeah, so it's just the two of us today, but it's been a really wonderful discussion and um, so excited to have you guys back. So we were talking about um, balancing Ramadan with Ibadah and uh, just sort of how we've been finding that, how we've been juggling it. And Sonia shared a very interesting story. Um, If you don't mind me rephrasing it to hear, Sonia, you attempted to stay awake after iftar on your first fast Mm -hmm. all the way through to Suhoor. I did that a couple of nights ago and I regretted it 100%. (laughs) My daughter isn't here with me. So I thought in the morning, I don't have any responsibilities. I can stay awake because what's happened is my husband and I were rushing Suhoor. So I thought we can't be rushing Suhoor. Let me be the one to stay awake after Iftar. And at three o'clock, I went and fell asleep in the guest bed. And thank God I woke up though. I woke (laughs) up in time. I made the bed so it didn't look like I'd slept in it. Because my husband was like, you you can't do this. You, You will crash. It's like, I'll be fine. It wasn't fine. And the next day I was exhausted and totally regretted it. And you made an interesting comment about how we managed to do this studying in like uni, college, high school, but we can't do it anymore. It's ridiculous. No, seriously. Like when I was in school, I feel like I could stay up. Then I can still go to school the next day or even at uni. I'd travel all the way to London and then, you know, be active the whole day, revising, studying, learning, attending lectures. How did we do it before? I don't know. I would go all night without sleep and then all day at uni and then I'd carry on. And it would just yep. be fine. But yep. that's not what we're discussing before our show viewers get confused. Um, <laughs> although it does highlight how inadequate we've become, Sonia. It's quite embarrassing. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll discuss that on another show. Another show. But um, so should we be striving for a perfectly balanced day? Like if our viewers haven't already got the gist, our balancing act isn't going very well. But should we put it, we putting that kind of pressure on ourselves? Because... My sister said something at the beginning and she was like, you know, I'm working for the first time and she's not even working from home, bless her. And I think Sonia, you as well, you're going out for work. And so she's been getting up like at six in the morning and going to work. And so she was saying that she's kind of come to understand that Allah doesn't expect perfection, that he just wants you to try your best. But I feel like we put this kind of pressure on ourselves. So should we be striving for a perfectly balanced day? Well, I think it is important to, again, like you said, try. We should try to balance our professional lives or our student lives with uh, Ibadah during Ramadan. Like we should actually try our best. Um, But you make a good point in terms of we don't, I think we don't have to do everything, you know. So if you can try doing one thing that day, that is a form of worship and you feel like you've given time and actually sat down and you know given there dedicated yourself 
to worshipping to um, anything in our religion and our faith that where you feel like yeah I feel like I've you know thoroughly done that that's probably better than trying to do so many things and filling up all the hours you know like we mentioned we feel like we need to use all the hours in the day in the night and stay up no not necessarily it's probably better to allocate a small amount of time as long as you're doing something thoroughly and you know with the right intentions so in terms of should we strive for a perfectly balanced day yes but balance emphasis on the word balance like you don't need to do too much as long as it feels like you have tried and done enough it might feel like you don't because you're working uh say eight hours a day or studying 10 hours a day that's fine it doesn't matter as long as you've tried to incorporate some kind of you know worship during the, the day that's what I believe and I think that's very sound advice to anyone that's listening and even to yourself really I think that element of balance and you said something about not filling up every hour with something. It's like pacing yourself. You know, they are. They say that when you, like for runners, they say don't, you know, run super fast at the beginning. Pace yourself. Or if you're doing a marathon, like don't do everything all at once, you know, save some to the end. So I think I, I really do like that, Sonia. And I think that's so important to remind ourselves because as humans, um, we tend to put this pressure on ourselves that we should be doing more, that we should be, you know, giving 100% when it may not be the case. And you're better off giving 50, but with quality as opposed to 100 with less quality. So I, I get that. Has it been different for you, Sonia, like balancing Ibadah with Ramadan from like different years with the changes that have taken place due to COVID um so for me I'm working from home and it's really weird it's although although it's my first year working whilst fasting that sort of working from home experience means that I don't actually get to shut off like I'm constantly working until like two hours before iftar and then even after iftar sometimes if I need to check an email or if I need to just send something you know I, I'm, I'm still working and so it's been strange for me, really. And I'm not being ungrateful that I'm still working and, and having the comfort of home. But it's just that it, everything is sort of blurred together. Alhamdulillah. Sonia. Yeah, I mean, it, of course, you don't sound ungrateful, but it's OK to you know, have a <laughs> comment about the situation you're in. Yeah, like I get that because um, I struggle with work from home anyway um but of course now like I mentioned I'm not working from home this year um so I am working like out and about but the point is the change that has happened for COVID-19 is we don't have that same congregation or we can't meet up I can't go to my friend's house and do if that at a house you can't do that um you can meet in an outdoor space but if the weather's not nice then there you go you can't meet up um so the change that I felt a lot is when I was at uni, we had ISOC, which is Islamic Society, and we used to do um, iftars together. And it was very nice because it's people that you might not even know. It's just students from the university that need to do iftar. We're at uni, you might have had an exam, or you might live too far away, you might not make it home in time. So we would sit and have iftar together. And that was amazing because it really is about togetherness and community because we encourage each other, even without realising to practice that is we encourage each other like you'd be with your friend and you'd remind each other like okay let's go pray now uh it's prayer time let's go pray or there's you know let's read Quran like for a bit and then we'll go back to studying you're with each other so it just feels a bit easier it feels um it's always enjoyable but it just it has that element you know with your friendship your family like whoever you're with when you're with someone it is all about community at the end of the day and doing it together um so I think that was a huge thing that you do feel the difference because when you're by yourself sometimes it can feel kind of lonely um so that's a, definitely a big change but not to, I don't want to sound negative so it shouldn't you know hopefully like you should try and still you've got your family hopefully or maybe zoom calls or facetime something to maybe feel some kind of company um you know during Ramadan I think that's very very true and um it's a really lovely perspective as well thank you Sonia um so we've discussed in the beginning how it's not been going kind of well in terms of balancing Ibada with professional student life but what has been your best day so far like what have you got to the end of the day and thought you know what I feel like I gave enough 
time to Allah to Ibadah but then I also gave um you know the time I need to give to work to study whatever it is you are occupied doing um so for me it would just be last week the week before it was a wonderful day I managed to kind of pray on time recite Quran after and also give Layana um because she's now going to be three it's not just about feeding her and putting her down for a nap it's more of an emotional and psychological comfort that I need to give which I'm alhamdulillah um and I managed to kind of just do all of that and get to the end of the day without being exhausted too which was an absolute miracle so that for me was like the best day and we prayed tarawih together because now it's like I pray and then my husband prays so that we're looking after Layana but that day we managed to pray together um so yeah that was kind of like my best day what would your best what was your best day or what have you kind of experienced as your best day Sonia well firstly like your best day was fantastic oh, and I hope you. you can have something like inshallah. that that's all right I hope you can have it again yeah inshallah you will and um in all honesty I don't think I've had my best day yet um but I you know I hope it will come soon this month for Ramadan like it hasn't been that easy um I've had good days so you know managing to pray on time and you know even at work but I still think I need to do a little bit more it's just an honest thing from myself I feel like the best day has not come yet but we do have 15 maybe 16 days left so I'm just hopeful that it is yet to come. And maybe it could be today. Actually, I'm going to intend it to be tomorrow. Oh, that's so sweet. And I really do hope that you have so many wonderful days to come, Sonia, inshallah, because I know that feeling of wanting to just seize the day, but then you get to the end of the day and it's like, what have I seized, you know? Um, I totally understand. So we did discuss that we've not had, we've had some not very good days. What lessons did you take from those days or from that particular time Sonia yeah I think we've already mentioned the uh, difficult days um the lesson that I've taken is definitely don't try and do everything at the like straight away we're not you know superheroes and we might not even be used to it if you're not used to doing that then you can't just go straight into it you need to take baby steps so that's something I need to I learned myself like take a baby step take your time and that's definitely one lesson. And another lesson would be, um, and I mentioned this before, it's definitely more about the quality than the quantity. That's basically what I'm saying in a nutshell, isn't it? So for me, I feel like it's the quality of what you do rather than trying to squeeze in everything. And at the end of the day, it's the effort that will be rewarded anyway. You don't, it's not just the, you know, not thinking about it, just doing it, just doing it. No, it needs to be with love. It needs to be, because you want to and you because you believe so definitely the efforts that will be rewarded I think that's very um important and quite empowering as well like you see the positive in that and I would have to agree with you I think from the less the lessons I've taken from the days where I have kind of felt like I could have done better are essentially that you know I need to just pick one thing that I can really go to town on and I've kind of developed this sort of signature deed thing where it's a deed like that I can manage that I can do and that fulfills sort of my um my my sort of desire to kind of you know maximize Ibada. and it may not be the case that we can um recite pages and pages of Quran after Salah um which is really a wonderful experience if you can uh, because we're rushing off to a meeting or whatever it is and so the moments that we do get to catch our breath and just do simple deeds that are really fulfilling I feel like that's that's really wonderful so we've got about 30 minutes left and I just wanted to discuss kind of the I know that we have maybe just we have touched upon this and maybe the last question that I asked was also somewhat kind of touching upon this but just tips that we have picked up or tips that maybe have been shared with us about this whole topic of balancing Ibadah with our professional or student lives and um, I just wanted to share one thing, which was what I mentioned literally um, like a couple of seconds ago about picking a signature deed. And that is, you know, like picking a deed that you resonate with, that you connect with 
and that you love so that when you are at the end of the day wanting to do that deed you actually um you actually look forward to it and so for me it's been like you know in tarawih just making lots of dua because sometimes when you finish praying and you know for me it's like I don't really get the chance to sit and ask dua like um ardently because I'm I'm needing to rush off for something or Layana's calling me so for me tarawih has been a time where I've just like really taken my du'as and embodied them in my sujood and things like that. So that's kind of been my signature deed. Have you discovered a signature deed, Sonia? Um, not a signature deed as such, um, but in terms of a pro tip, you actually just reminded me, um, because I mentioned it the other day, and when you make du'a, a great thing to do is write it down. You literally just write it down on any piece of paper, on your phone, on your laptop or whatever, because then you know what you're asking for. You can create a structure and it's a good reminder for yourself. Um, and following on from that, just using, writing something down, you can structure your day. You can say, I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to do my work, whatever work that is. And then I'm going to have a short nap, maybe. I'm going to pray at this time. You know, prayer helps you to structure your day as well. So use that and write it down. I think that's a really good tip. It's just write down how you want your day to go. Even if it's on your phone, on your notes or on your calendar, that's probably one of the best tips I can give. Um, I love that. Another thing. (laughs) Thank you. Um, You know, if you're a student, like this is your time guys to flip that day around I know we mentioned it before um but you know if you are able to stay up in the night then use that time because obviously you might not have the energy during the daytime um so you know you can flip that day around I would say um Samiha I have another point but it's just coming to me so I'm going to hand it back to you while it comes back to me that's fine (laughs) I really loved what you said about sort of figuring out what works for you so you said for students then maybe they could sort of use the time between afar and sahur to sort of study um I feel like that's really really a wonderful tip because the COVID, the pandemic has really kind of usurped all our known traditions and all our sort of you know routines that we used to have so I suppose before there was the kind of opportunity for us to go to the masjid or to break fast with family and that might just take our days away and and get carried away with time but now we I feel like we have more space and more time so I love the idea of one structuring your day but also structuring the day to the way that you want to work I think that's a really really lovely idea and you also mentioned about writing Daniel Zoraz, and I think that that's a really cool thing to do. And, you know, I love that. And I, I did it last year, and it was really helpful, alhamdulillah. Like, I managed to ask the things that I usually forget to ask. Um, but this year I wasn't able to, and I regret it. So maybe before the uh, sort of last 10 days come in, I might just sit down and, and get that done, you know? And I think that will be really quite helpful. Sonia, has your thought come back to you? Um, yeah, it has actually. But just following on from what you said is the duas, like it's not obviously it's not too late. You can make yeah. that can do that every day, throughout the day, day and night. So still write it down, even if it doesn't feel like something you want to write down. You've got your phones, maybe or just anywhere private. Um, because I know sometimes it just, it just feels like that thing, like it's my personal thing. Yeah, that's fine. Like you don't <laughs> know saying show it to anyone. Just just write it down for yourself. Um, and also, yeah, I, I mentioned earlier, try to structure it as well. It helps you um, just get your mind straight. Um, but yeah, regarding the thought that came back to me, it's because it was more like a clarification because I did say like work out how your day can be used and don't try to um, fit too many things in. But what I will say is trying not to waste the day sleeping because so often you obviously if you're going to sleep at night say 6 a.m if you've stayed up now you're thinking okay yeah I'm gonna sleep I'm tired I'm knackered but then how you know so don't wake up at you know afternoon 2 3 or 3 2 3 p.m because that is truly then it feels like a waste of day sometimes 4 p.m 5 p.m that's just ridiculous <laughs> this is my personal opinion but I say try not to and it's an advice to myself really like yeah okay if you need a nap have a nap but 
really truly do not try and waste the time sleeping like this month is so special we can get so much from it just by doing not even doing a lot just by doing a little you can get so much so and not not to sound like a lecture here now but it, again it is to myself before anyone else I'd say try not to waste the day sleeping in contrast to what I said earlier which was make sure you don't squeeze too much in no I love that and as like when we were in our teens sleep during Ramadan like we used to say oh it's an ibadah to sleep as well and so we just sleep for ages and wake up for like Luhar or just before Asr but then the other day my sister she messaged me at 10 a.m on a Sunday and I was like oh my gosh you're awake she was like yeah sleep is a little overrated especially during fasting like I don't know what we thought when we were sleeping till like two three in the afternoon and I was like so true because I feel like when we wait not not judgmental not to kind of put down people who do sleep till that time because you may need to sleep till that time um because you know you might just work night shifts and things like that but just as a general like just sort of using up the time sleeping when you do wake up you feel terrible like oh my gosh I could have done so much in that time and so um do you know what I mean Sonia like I you know nah but like again like you said it's not we're not even saying it in a bad way like obviously rest and obviously try and get yeah. as much as you can we're not saying walk around with eye bags every day of course <laughs> not <laughs> but now literally speaking from today we've got um, a few days of a few weeks maybe of Ramadan left let's just for ourselves we say it for ourselves more than anyone let's oh, try and make yeah. the most of it and get you know make use of our days and have the best quality of worship inshallah and I think that's that's such a wonderful message that you know like in your own capacity in your own space in your own abilities just to make use of the time that we have left and um and to kind of go forth into the the rest of the days with maybe a renewed purpose like renew your intentions renew your purpose and if you are for whatever reason not fasting and if you know for obvious reasons you're not able to engage in like actual uh, like salah um things like that then maybe you know use the time that you have to kind of fill it with other acts of ibadah that will um that will also give you the wonderful rewards of ramadan so the final thing i wanted to ask sonia is what will you tell yourself going forward so what will be like your like what for the future for the for next year's Ramadan um that we are able to witness it what will you tell yourself what will you do different honestly I would try to prepare from earlier on because you can't just go in straight first day and then adjust yeah you can go straight first day and then start adjusting this what I did this year and as I mentioned I was almost experimenting like oh when should I stay up when should I sleep how much should I eat and it's like I'm a big age now I have been doing this for a few <laughs> years so I should be able to prepare myself we I personally need to prepare from before the month of Ramadan um so if, even if that means eating slightly less in the days coming up to it or um adjusting my sleep pattern or starting to wake up for fajr because on a normal day I'm not gonna I'm gonna be honest like I don't often wake up in the morning hopefully I will um so that's something that I could change um so the key word here in how I would change um and say to myself like how I can help myself for the month of Ramadan is make sure I try to prepare from slightly earlier I think that's very honest, very candid, but so true. And um, yeah, I 100% agree that I need to start figuring out my action plan before Ramadan itself. And um, definitely. And if I if I was to tell myself one thing, I would def- I would say that you know, um, have a clear strategy. Where do you want to be at the end of ten days? At the end of twenty? At the end of thirty? And also give myself like goals. And I think that I'm kind of the I'm kind of a person that wants to meet deadlines, meet goals. So I should really have done that because that would have kind of motivated me to get things done. So whether it's memorizing a surah or to like, you know, um, I don't know, read an entire book on 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 a specific subject, 
so that I leave Ramadan having gained something and not sort of stayed the same. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot, actually, Samiha. I just want you to say, like, regarding, you know, finding, having a plan of action, a strategy, find one thing that you might do, like memorizing a surah. I think that's such a good point because so often me, myself, I kind of just go in a bit, I don't say aimlessly, but just like, yeah, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do this. No, let's let's have an actual plan of action here because then when you do achieve it, you can be really proud of yourself. Like, exactly. um, I wanted to do that and I was able to achieve that. Obviously, alter it as you go along if you manage, if you can manage more or less. But I think that's a great point. So thanks for that. I'm gonna take that's that. Okay. Tip. No, that's fine. And I think we're creatures that want to feel good about ourselves at the end of the day. So I think that's a really yeah. wonderful way to do it. And. Yeah, Jazakallah Khairan, Sonia. This has been a really lovely discussion. Um, and I think we touched upon some really important points. And I think we did some self-reflection as well. And we were very candid and honest. And so I hope that the, those of you that are listening found this to be a useful discussion. And um, I just want to say again that this is a recorded session, so um, please do not text or call in to the studio. But if you do listen and you want to let us know what you what your thoughts were, then you can get in touch with us through our Instagram, which I believe Sonia will share with us. Yeah, so our Instagram page is at Sisters Speak. And when you come to it and if you want to leave a comment, you can under any of our posts. You can also direct message us and a DM. And of course, we're happy to hear your thoughts. We're always looking for your ideas, suggestions and what you thought of our show. And Any comments you'd like to make, I'd love to hear it. Thank you so much. So, um, yeah, I hope that the rest of your Ramadan go really well. And um, just include us in your du'as, inshallah. And I hope that um, anything we've said here, if it is useful for you, then that's wonderful. But if anything we said here was just like, what? What are you guys talking about? Then we do apologize. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. I don't know if you want to say anything about that. Because, you know, it's Ramadan and it's just like getting close to iftar um, when we are recording this. Sorry. But yes, so inshallah, we hope to see you at our next show. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.